0: that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
1: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Estate Law Exposé. I'm Joe Bartlett, along with Christine Thea Rubenstein and Alex Rubenstein. We've got you covered here. We're going to talk about estate planning and financial issues that you need to have in order before things get out of control when someone becomes incapable of making decisions. Illness sets in. Death, sadly. Uh, these things happen rapidly, and it is best if you are prepared ahead of time. And I know that's advice a lot of people ignore. Yours truly, you know, you always want to put it off until the very, very end. I don't need that. But um, sadly, too many times you're going to say, I wish I had done that. And If you listen to us week after week, you'll hear these stories where people, well, if you just did this a little bit sooner, uh, things would go a whole lot easier for you. And I want to remind you, too, that the law firm of Christine Thea Rubenstein is a full-service law firm. Christine has a number of attorneys who work for her, not only doing estate law planning, but uh, foreclosure defense, real estate issues, personal and business bankruptcy, credit card negotiation, business restructuring. SEC, FINRA, state compliance, SEC, FINRA, and state litigation, corporate law, IPO structuring, criminal litigation, as well as matrimonial, personal injury, and more. And their number is 1 800 201 Law, 1 800 201 Law, or you can reach them at courtboss.com. Uh, Christine, Alex, uh, good morning. Welcome. Thank you. All right, and right. Uh, we're all set here for another episode. And uh, we're going to talk about this, th- this is an interesting one. Because you know, people think they do the right thing. They set up a healthcare proxy. They have uh, a power of attorney designated, and now we run into conflicts between a healthcare proxy and someone with the power of attorney. So, won't you explain how this happens?
2: Yeah, you know what, Joe? That it, it that that is an interesting concept because I didn't think it was so unclear. I thought that that was just that's so cut and dry. Yeah. It's power of attorney. This is financial. This is what you're allowed to do. And then there's the healthcare proxy. And maybe, just maybe, there was a little confusion as to the the boundaries and the scope of a healthcare proxy. And maybe a living will. And that 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 may be a reach because we don't know how where the healthcare proxy's um, authority can start and end. But. The recently, there's been so many questions and people coming in and saying that the power of attorney and the, is being challenged by the healthcare proxy in um, in decisions that hospitals are getting involved in, and they're kind of overstepping and saying that the healthcare proxy has almost definitive authority over powers of attorney
1: that's an interesting argument because you you got an individual in the hospital he's incapacitated she's incapacitated we need a decision on a, a certain path of treatment now the power of attorney may say that's too expensive we can't afford it the healthcare proxy is going to say no do it right is is that how we set up these battles
2: that 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 battle might make sense um i guess <laughs> maybe because okay. because of i mean but this one is even more it, it's not even grounded with that logic because that logic would make sense because just, you know, by definition, okay, the power of attorney is the document that, that we set forth that says that I give you the power to make my financial decisions, um, real estate transitions. You can sign over my house. Uh, let's say I needed a nursing home and I give my, I own the house and I give my power of attorney to Alex. Alex then can take anything that's in my name and he can sign my name as my power of attorney and he can transfer my property, liquidate my property, uh, purchase property, uh, do anything that he needs to do in order to preserve or liquidate as a fiduciary in the best interest of my estate or for me.
1: And that only is in effect when you're incapacitated, right?
2: pretty for well, the it, most part no it could be but, anytime
1: uh, just say
3: i was out of the country and you needed no. to do a closing for me you could be the power
1: of attorney then
2: yeah for yeah i just don't want to confuse it the issue right now so yeah, yeah technically I mean, that's a yes. lot of that's a lot of power
1: that's what it's the, a lot you, of power yeah, that's why right that's so the
2: for the most part if you're lucid um while i'm of sound mind and body i give him the power to do it right okay right. so I can I can also give him the authority that if I'm not physically here during this period mm-hmm. he has I'm giving Alex that right to step in my shoes and do any of those acts that I just said. Okay. Um so in essence yes, if I want Alex to conduct a closing for me cuz I'm physically not able to be here, then Alex can physically Handle that closing for me because I'm giving him the authority to do it. But that's usually
1: specific power, right? It's not just uh, a broad power, right?
2: It depends on if I choose. It's what I choose to give oh, him. Okay. Well. So I can take it and I could give it to him as well. That's the whole beauty of a power of attorney. So it's a, it's it's something that I can control mm-hmm. and it's financial. But we use it for estate purposes. Obviously, we use it for the um, for the dur- durability during periods of non lucidity. Incompetency, disability. So, for for that purpose that we're using it for, it's to help us in the period of time in which we we can't function for ourselves.
1: Okay. What about this conflict with the healthcare proxy? I mean, where, where does that come uh, become an issue? So
2: now, for the healthcare pro- proxy, the healthcare proxy is all about whether or not I'm in a position to give informed consent to treat me. So, if I'm unconscious or something, I can't obviously give informed consent to say, "Yeah, give me a blood transfusion." That's what the healthcare proxy is there for. Mm-hmm. That's where it pretty much stops and ends. And then that's when the living will comes in. That says if I'm on life support, then I'm I'm pre-executing a document that says that I don't want to be on life support. My healthcare proxy can't even make that decision. So the healthcare proxy is very is really in a box. It doesn't have as much leeway as like my power of attorney does, even. So my healthcare proxy can talk about treatment I and given additional documents like even a HIPAA authorization to get personal and confidential information about my medical situation has to be accompanied with a healthcare proxy
1: now can a healthcare proxy say end treatment if that's
2: if technically if that's going to End my life like a living will, like pull the plug. No.
1: No, okay. That's why we need the living will. Absent a living will, that person could They they don't have that scope.
2: That's why we need that living will. Yeah, right. That's what all the Supreme Court decisions were about. That living will needs to be there. Exactly. So that's why um, all of a sudden this, I had a client recently, uh, two clients actually, not even just one specific one, two clients, which were, was really odd, came in and said that they were having a, a debate over a, a patient that was in the hospital and the hospital was not giving information to the other family members because they only gave that information to the healthcare sure, proxy. Sure.
1: Okay. Well Okay. Well, legally, that's right.
2: Yeah. Legally, that... Or does a family member
1: have the right to that information?
2: Well, the the, fa- the rest of the family right, um, if there were HIPAA authorizations in place that okay. named other people, then no, then they should be allowing the other people to have it. But the healthcare proxy, yes. But now the power of attorney, which, which kind of speaks to financially where that person should be like, if that person should be moved, if that person is allowed to leave and go home, um if we have to put Medicaid and everything else in place in order for the person to go home, then no, then then we need, the, the power of attorney needs to be involved here. And we need some financial information coming forward. Now and the, that's not just, that's more than just a healthcare proxy because they don't just...
1: It, do they normally, uh, in terms of a healthcare, pro- I would think healthcare proxy and uh, the power of attorney would be you know, from the same family, they're not sort of. That doesn't have to be the same person. Well, I know it doesn't have to be, but generally speaking, it would wouldn't make sense that you would have these two at odds.
2: It wouldn't, but you you find that they do because a lot of family is a funny thing. They they they, <laughs> they come totally with right. <laughs> they come with some <laughs> crazy agendas. <laughs>
3: we, we have some people that feel more comfortable. With their children making the decision over their financial affairs and where they should put their money, and then they feel that another child would be better served, pulling the plug.
1: Well, yeah, I I, I can see that. Yeah, you know, you're in charge of my health. You're in charge of my money. Yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, I could see that. Yeah, but the <laughs> it
2: agendas... doesn't have to be the same person. No, right. <laughs> but the agendas are a, a little a little crazy. Like another another client another client had. Um, A healthcare proxy issue where they just wanted to go home and they wanted to, you know, they wanted to to do treatment at home. Mm -hmm. And the healthcare proxy wasn't allowing any information or any of this to be, to even be shared with the family member and wouldn't let the power of attorney even in on it and said, absolutely not. I don't want them to leave. And there was a stalemate between them and the, the family member, even though the even though the patient wanted to go home.
1: Oh my god. And
2: so they were fighting. And the patient's and the patient's lucid. And the, the lucid patient who, who who is their agent, in fact, you know, the person who gave you the healthcare proxy was fighting with the with its very own person.
1: I, I, I but I would assume the lucid person, the patient, has the final say about his or her treatment I mean they can't yes no
2: yeah well we wound up changing that when we got involved because it just seemed it was just becoming outrageous because the hospital was listening to the the healthcare proxy oh my gosh it, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it was very convoluted it was really crazy <laughs>
1: <It's> quite comical <laughs> well I mean so how, how, how did you deal with it Alex well, luckily, this
3: was all legal issues, so I didn't have to deal with any of this. Oh, yeah, <laughs> See, Christine. <laughs> it's,
1: so it's—I guess this is uh, um, outlined in law. Everybody has a specific role, and you know, they just—they're limited to that role and not the other.
2: Right. Well, in in one instance, that's specifically—that's exactly what yeah. we did. We 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 got involved. We reached out to the all the appropriate parties and we put in our letters of representation and we kind of spelled out you're you're overstepping your boundaries there were there was some more specific behavior that was going on that was really overstepping the boundaries of a healthcare proxy versus the power of attorney because it was just too muddy they weren't properly using hipaa authorizations and it was it everything wasn't proper because the power of attorney had hipaa authorizations in their name as well even so. when,
1: even when you do what you're supposed to, you got, you know, things yeah. get a little bit messy. All right, Christine Thea Rubenstein, Alex Rubenstein, you're listening to Estate Law Exposé here on WOR. I'm Joe Bartlett. If you'd like to make an appointment with Christine and Alex, all you have to do is give them a call. They have a 24-hour life care counselor line, one 800 800-200, the number one law. Or if you'd like all of the numbers, 800 and their website, courtboss.com. You can get information there as well. If you are unable to physically come to their office, they can make special arrangements to visit you at your home, or if you're in the hospital, they'll do that too. And they have offices conveniently located throughout the tri-state area on Long Island, both in Nassau and Suffolk County. Uh, Brooklyn, Queens, Manhattan, both uptown and downtown in Manhattan, as well as Westchester and Jersey City, New Jersey. And again, their number is 800-201-LAW and that website, courtboss.com. We'll be right back. I want to talk about that living will and just how necessary is it and uh, how dangerous it might be. You're listening to a State Law Exposé here on 710 WOR. Good morning, WOR listeners. I hope you're enjoying our new weekend program, a State Law Exposé. You know, if you need help right now with estate law planning or if you would like to learn more about legal strategies designed to reduce unnecessary taxes, protect your assets, avoid probate, Medicaid, or guardianship, call the law offices of Christine Thea Rubenstein at 1-800-201-LAW or go to courtboss.com to schedule a free in-office half-hour estate planning strategy session. 1-800-201-LAW. Don't wait until it's too late to plan your estate. Welcome back to a state Law Expose. I'm Joe Bartlett, along with Christine Thea Rubenstein, Alex Rubenstein. Christine is our legal expert. Alex is the financial expert, and we've uh, been dealing in a lot of law here, Alex. I hope you don't feel left out. Uh, it's okay. I'm taking a break.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, anyway, we, one of the th- subjects you uh, discussed previous was the living will. And that always kind of concerned me. Like, wait a minute. I'm, you know... Somebody is gonna pull a plug on me. I mean how is that written to protect me? you know uh, for example, I'll just give you an example. um you know, I'm sort of incapacitated, and my wife eh, maybe maybe she's with it or you know maybe she's just a little
0: uh, not drunk?
1: Lo- not <laughs> drunk. maybe she maybe she's mental issues ah, yeah, pull it, pull it. <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, he's, I I could use a new husband. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Should
3: have brought her home flowers. <laughs> I mean,
1: so you know, from from that, I I assume they're written with some clarity and um, to, to protect that individual who uh, may meet his demise. Yes. Okay. So explain yes. that for us, please. It was Christine.
2: done. It was written while while we were sober. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, it's it's all it's all written out there with um, very explicit language, saying that it's um, it's the absolute, positively no questions asked, where there's no possible possible signs of um,
3: brain activity, brain activity, okay. all right.
2: and that if. Um, there's no chance of survival and that there's nothing else going, nothing's going on. There's no activity oh, all at right. all. And then, and then in addition to it, that you're supposed to get the hydration, nutrition, uh, pain relievers. And that, so everything is spelled out specifically in, in the living will.
1: Oh, okay. That's good. So in other words, if, you know, there's a chance you can come back.
2: Then it's not, then oh. it's not time. Yet. Then you can't use it. Then you can't.
1: What if now I, I think like you
2: can't be in just a, a, a coma right? and there'd be some activity and then they just pull the plug on you. But, okay.
1: but a, a lot of people you end up where like there's minimal brain activity or, you know, you just I mean, is uh, do they spell it out medically or?
3: There'd have to be no brain activity. No.
2: Yeah, there's no it's it's not supposed to it's the doctors are supposed to obviously know when when that time is that you're just on life support mm-hmm. and they turn off the, you know, right. our whole cliches, you, you know, you turn off the machines or you pull the plug and then you see if, if you're still able to survive off of the machines. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's breathing for you, doing all that other stuff. Again, it's not to be confused with the do not resuscitate order, you know, where you just go into like cardiac arrest and they come in and they use the paddles on you and stuff like that that still happens this is this is it this is when you've been on the on the machines for a while and your family makes your family has kind of that that timing to kind of come in with the living will and say when the time is when the time is right
3: see but the good thing about putting those documents in place beforehand is you're making those decisions and you're not leaving it up to your children should i pull the plug should i not pull the plug so it p- takes a lot of pressure off of the family at the most crucial time in, you know, your life and your family's life.
1: Now, absent a living will and you are sort of brain dead, do the doctors, who has the authority to say, all right, that's enough? Or do they have to continue to keep you alive if you don't have a living will? Can a family member make that choice? No? No.
2: No, they're not supposed to. That's the Oy. you know the Terry Shivo case yeah, right, yeah. and everything the mm-hmm. Supreme Court has to. Doctors don't have that that right either to do that. And then that's why you have a living will to predetermine that's that's what I was making the point of saying that um a healthcare proxy is very limited. They're very confined to what they're able to do as far as treatment and informed consent. They're not able to go Above and beyond the boundary of saying, okay, you know, I've we I'm discussing this with the doctor. We don't think that there's any reason to continue. There's the brain brain activity is done. It's over. Pull the plug. You know, that's not that's your de- that's your decision to make prior if you execute a pre uh, a living will, mm-hmm. not your healthcare proxies even.
1: Well, I assume if you're smart enough to designate a healthcare proxy, you're going to have a living will.
3: No, you'd be surprised. We have a lot of people that come in with. Piecemeal documentation, where they don't have all of the documents that they need and should have, so that they work together.
2: It's that that's that's the case. And then there's also the case where people people have hesitation. You know, like like you just said, where yeah. you're you're nervous about it because yeah. just because just because a doctor is saying that doesn't mean that they feel that way. I mean, it's very. It's also. Up to the individual and their religious beliefs as well, mm-hmm. you and, know. I
3: and there's been a lot of people that just because they don't understand it, don't want to do it because they think that their wife could come well, home so or their just husband just like could I come said, home yeah. upset and <laughs> just have the plug pulled on them,
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> even if there's nothing wrong with them. I mean, <laughs> all joking. I mean that that's all joking, Simon. That's that's the comical version of it too. That you know you're going to do that, but people. I mean, I've had people respectfully. I'm saying this that they've sat. In our office, while and they've hesitated because they've been they're religious and they believe that this is that's a decision for God to make. So they've been very in in their beliefs. They've they don't believe that they should make that decision, and they they'll either be on the machines or they won't be on the machines. But they won't make the decision to predetermine it. And for however how that either goes with it or doesn't go with it, I don't know. But they've refused to sign it because of. Their their beliefs.
1: Right. Well, that now that brings us to that do not resuscitate order. Is is that another um, document that you would put in this whole um, the, the estate planning? Is that part of estate planning? Do not resuscitate, or is that sort of like, like just a m- medical issue?
2: That's that's not a part of our me- that's not a part of our estate planning mm-hmm. documents. Um, that's usually one that goes that you have in the hospital when you go in there on okay. the do not resuscitate orders.
1: What are the other? I mean, we talked about uh, power of attorney that is another critical document that people have uh, to protect themselves in these situations. Could you explain the difference between just a durable and a regular power of attorney?
2: Sorry, Joe, Alex and I are having a side conversation. Oh, all right. <laughs> Apparently, the you know, now I'm thinking about it. we've we've updated it because the DNRs now are a little bit more,
3: complex and, are complex they and they're using it the more now. And in. There,
2: yeah. I'm thinking of emergency DNRs. Yeah, the emergency DNR new, the they'll give programs, you in the hospital. Yeah, then
3: we have the just a regular DNR. Oh, so because that could,
2: now they're taking it to in-home care too, like when you're at home and whether or not there's a DNR. So, yeah, parts parts are inside of our of our health care. Okay. So there is a there is a do not resuscitate, but you also get them you also get them in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So you know it's. You should be looking out for that as well because you're you're getting things as you're going into the hospital, which we had a program on that. That's right. All right you know so you have to be careful of what you're what you're signing when you're going in. if you have the documents already, is it contradicting what you've already signed?
3: See, but the DNR that you get in the hospital, that's only for that specific uh, you know uh, procedure that's being done. If you take that DNR home and you try to give it to the ambulance, if they come in and they start to try to resuscitate you uh, and you didn't want to be resuscitated, they're going to resuscitate you because that only worked for that one procedure in the hospital.
2: Yeah, and then that's... That's why the
3: ones that we give out are for any procedure.
2: And then this is specific because what Alex is saying now, I know we're we're kind of getting sidetracked from that, but it, it brings up a really good point because you're saying that and a couple of other times... We'll bring that up, and they'll say no. They they wouldn't let us. They 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 used it completely. Like they used that DNR, and then they used it again over here, oh, wow. and then they used it after that. So the point is that if you have if you have your documents in place the way that you intended them to be used, that's the best bet. Right. Because what you signed over here may be used the second time for the amulet or it may not be used. It could be used. It depends on who's doing it. Because you have different people all the time, they don't know what the laws are. They just do whatever is easy for them sometimes. Or sometimes you have a stickler for the rules, and they're not going to use it, and your life is depending on it. So it's it's important to you know make that note you, that they you you don't know who you're bumping into. Mm-hmm. You know right. when when the time is you know, is of the essence, basically.
1: Thank you for the clarification, Alex. Yeah, that
2: was very good. good. You Welcome. know, he doesn't say a lot, but no, he's, when he does say something, no, it's it was worthwhile. Thank you for joining the conversation, Alex. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and I'll be right back for my break. <laughs> okay,
2: good. We don't he's, want you to push yourself. He's,
1: he's preparing his closing <laughs> remarks. Okay, <good.
2: laughs> Take a couple of breaths. <laughs> real,
1: real quickly, Christine, I was asking about the difference between just a plain power of attorney and durable. Okay, so, so
2: the plain power of attorney just is for potentially like that time and that time only it's revoked when you become incompetent or not lucid, mm-hmm. you know, when you're not with it, when you go crazy, it's over, you know? So a durable power of attorney is to keep on going. It perpetuates through the period of time in which you are crazy, so to speak. <laughs> so not lucid. not lucid. Um, and it will, it will help you through any period of incapacity or disability or,
1: and it, it does um in terms of the um the trustee and the power of attorney, do you recommend the same person do that?
2: I I do because it's easier. Mm-hmm. It's easier because there's no conflict That's in right. what could but happen. It,
3: again, it depends on the complexity and the makeup of the family. Because sometimes yeah. we recommend that they be separate. Right.
1: Okay. All right, Alex. It's your turn now we need, We got about uh, two minutes left here before we close things out, so uh, how about some final thoughts?
3: Okay, remember that it's never too late to plan your estate. Give your family the gift of peace of mind. Part of estate planning is about taking the time and figuring out who's important to you, and then take an inventory of your life's legacy and memorabilia that you want to leave behind to your loved ones. And then you have to figure out what is the best plan for you and your family. And the best way to do this is to come in and sit down with us So that we can help you organize your thoughts and start the creation of a legal and financial plan of actions for distribution and protection and preservation of your capital. What we do for every person making an appointment today and becoming a client is we'll give you a free life plan organizer. And your life plan organizer is a roadmap for your family to understand the important financial and legal affairs of your life today as it stands With all of your real estate holdings, financial holdings, everything in one place, a snapshot of your entire financial life on one piece of paper, in uh, one book, so that when tomorrow comes and you're not here, you don't leave your family in the dark, and they'll know exactly where all of your financial and legal affairs lie
1: righty, And you can reach Alex and Christine at 1-800-201-LAW. That's one 800 Or at the website courtboss.com. That telephone number, by the way, staffed. 24 hours a day, and if you are unable to physically come to their office, they can make special arrangements to visit you at your home or the hospital. Estate Law Expose, I'm Joe Bartlett, along with Christine Thea Rubenstein and Alex Rubenstein. We'll see you next time.
0: Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play